this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Praise the Lord, everyone. It's good to be here. Good to see you guys. Happy New Year. Bon année in French. 2024 will be the best year. Amen? You believe it? It will be. Amen. Amen. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to talk about you and about this woman of faith, Tabitha, and to know that we can do anything for God. We can, because he is for us, with us. Amen? So, Lord, thank you that you are going to help us bring new things that will help us make 2024 be our best year for God. Amen? Let's read Acts 9, 36 to 42. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, in Greek, Dorcas. Actually, it's also gazelle. Because gazelle is a, a very fast uh, deer, and that means that means something too. She had a, a spring in her step, Tabitha. So remember that. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died. And her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lida was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and the other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them Alive. Amen. This became known all over Joppa. Many people believed in the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Well, Tabitha was a disciple. It says so there. She was a disciple, which means a personal follower of Christ. What was she known for? She was always doing good, helping the poor. And making robes and clothing for those in need. That was a calling. That was a ministry. That's what she knew she was good at and she did it. Amen. What is a calling? It is what we are called by God to do when we make him Lord of our life. We're not made Lord. He's not Lord of our life if if it's not for a purpose. You may say, oh, I don't know what my calling is. You don't need a flash from heaven to tell you. You do have a calling. There's something you can do. 
What is it that you do particularly well? Can you sing? Write poetry? Baking? Play guitar? Use that. Whatever you, you know you're good at, say, I'm going to do that for you. When I came to the Lord in 1978, a spring chicken I was, and I, I developed an urge to do something good for God, to please him. I said, Lord, what can I do? I, I can't, don't know what I can do. I started singing at the church. And at Christmas time, that same year, I sang a French Christmas carol. The pastor said to me, why don't you start a French fellowship, connect group? And I said to the, to the Lord, oh, it's you asking me, Lord. I will do it. I had no idea how I would do it, but I said, I'll do it. I went around doing my everyday work, and one day in the bus in this, to the city, I heard right behind me an elderly couple speaking French. I turned around and chatted to them. Right behind me they were, and invited them to my connect. From there, started a ministry to very sick people from New Caledonia, who came to Sydney for serious operations and follow-ups. A door was open for many French boarding houses in Sydney, which I never heard existed. I started to visit, pray for them, sometimes in hospital, led them to the Lord, and those who wish I took to church on Sunday. I love what I did, because you... You know when you're serving God, you you get a satisfaction from it. And I made many friends with them. Well, what's happened next is after a few years on my own doing all that, running around, I said to the Lord, I need a Frenchman to help me with this ministry. (laughs) Well, I did. I asked him seriously. I asked him seriously, right? Seriously, I asked him. Guess what happened? Edgar came to the church with a friend on a Sunday morning, and the rest is history. Amen. So be, be, be careful when you ask God for something. Be sure that's what you really want. <laughs> well, it's obviously in you. It was right. So the rest is history. To come back to Tabitha, the result of her service for God impacted many people who loved her so much that she received more attention than others would have when she died prematurely. So they sent for Peter, who led her, who led by the Spirit, raised her up to the life again. Hallelujah! We want to see that happen, don't we? We want to see people come back to life. Amen. That's the miracle caused this miracle cause many people to be born again. And we want to see more people come to Christ. This is the power of testimony when we share the good news of what God has done in our lives. We shouldn't be shy because he is a living God and he loves us. And he wants us to say that he he loves us. What can we do in 2024 for Jesus, guys and others? We use the talents we have. He will bless them. He is waiting for us. He's waiting for, he's done everything. He made you and he bought you 
at the price of his precious blood. Remember that. Make your life count for him this year. Amen. It's the best life you will have. If you haven't made a serious decision for Jesus, for him, asking him into your heart, this is the time. Today, decide. I know many of you have, but if you really haven't seriously done it, I recommend you just say, Lord, I'll do it. If you haven't made that decision, do it today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about this great woman of faith. Now I will call out Maddie. Madame Madeleine. Madeleine Puller. Bless you, Madeleine. Go, Harriet. (laughs) All right. We're going to take a bit of a turn now into Judges. (laughs) Always a fun read. But in Judges 4. All right, so this is a time where the Israelites were under the oppression and were at war with the Canaanites. Sorry. So they're at war with the Canaanites and uh, the prophet Deborah was leading Israel at the time. So she had actually called a man named Barak to her and to give him the charge of leading the Israelite army against King Jabin's army and its commanding officer Sisera. So Deborah says to Barak, the Lord, the God of Israel commands you to gather your troops and he will deliver the Canaanite army and Sisera into his hands. So in Judges 4.8, we see Barak's response where he says, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. (laughs) Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah. But because of the course you are taking, the honour will not be yours. For the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So that woman's name is Jael. What a champion. So Jael, we know, is a Kenite woman. She's married to Heba the Kenite. She's described as being a Bedouin housewife, which means that she was a tent-dwelling woman, a tent-dwelling wife. She took care of her family and her home. We can assume that she had no real battle experience or, you know, was a trained fighter or anything like that. But she was just a regular everyday person that I think like a lot of us in this room can relate to. She was just doing life as normal. But we read the impact that this one woman had in this battle. So Barak is pursuing the Canaanite army and they're quite successful, so successful that Sisera actually flees on foot um, and to take shelter in the tent of Jael. So we're going to pick up at Judges 4.18. So Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come, my lord, come right in, don't be afraid. So he entered her tent and she covered him with a blanket. I'm thirsty, he said, please give me some water. She opened a skin of milk, gave him a drink and covered him up. Stand in the doorway of the tent, he told her. If someone comes by and asks you, is anyone in there, say no. But Jael picked up a tent peg and a hammer 
and went quietly to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the peg through his temple into the ground and he died. (laughs) Just then, Barak came by in pursuit of Sisera and Jael went out to meet him. Come, she said, I will show you the man that you are looking for. So he went in with her and there lay Sisera with the tent peg through his temple, dead. (laughs) That's a bit of a heavy read. (laughs) Especially while we've got all the kids in. (laughs) But if we take a moment to actually look at the reality of what that situation would have been like, You've got this woman, JL, who hasn't got any particular set of skills. She's just described as a housewife who lives in a tent. That's all we know about her. And yet she does something so bold and so risky and so much outside of her comfort zone, all to bring about the will of God. And we do know that it's the will of God because in the previous verses it says that the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So why JL? What was it that God recognised in her that he would give her this assignment, that he would give her this responsibility? When I read through that, like on paper, Barack is the guy for the job. He's got the training, he's got the, the army behind him, he's got the title, he's got the experience. And yet God chose JL, a housewife, to do something of so much of such impact. And I think that that's because JL had something that Barak didn't have that God saw in her. And that was a willing spirit. There was a heart that was quick and ready to respond to his call. So Barak's response was, I'll do it, but, but only if. He had sort of conditions and hesitations and um, and you know wasn't all in with it, whereas JL had had the discernment to pick up on the will of God, and then was presented with an opportunity, and she stepped out with courage and with boldness, and she did it. And we know for sure that there are two outcomes from her bold act, and that was one that the land had peace for forty years. So what she did had impact. You know, it was a necessary thing that she did. But we also know that she was blessed. So in Judges 5.24, it says, Most blessed of women be Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. Most blessed of tent-dwelling women. What an honour. So I think it's pretty safe to say that no one in this room is getting called to do something as violent as, you know, murder somebody with a tent peg. But if you put that act aside and you dig a little deeper, we know that God is always calling us to do things outside of our comfort zone. And he calls us to step out and make moves and take risks. And when he does, he... He likes that because it means that we have to rely on him. So when he does ask us to do these things, no matter how big or how small, does he see in us that same willing, soft spirit that JL had that says, all right, I'll do it, I'll do it. 
Or does he find Barak that there's a hesitation and a blockage and a but only if? Because if we do have that same heart as JL, God can use us to do incredible things that we never would have thought or dream of that we could do. Like if I look at my five, ten year plan, he could do anything within that time frame. If, if he meets us with that soft spirit and that ready heart that JL had. And when we are obedient to his call, we're blessed. Just like JL. The most blessed women. The most blessed of women, JL. So, I challenge you to have a little think about what it is that God's asking you to do. And to have that same willing spirit and ready heart that JL had. Because God used her to do something amazing a few verses in the Bible, but we're still talking about it today. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Amen. Amen. I'm now going to invite the beautiful Janelle to bring it home. <laughs> Give it up for Maddie Puller. Wow. Well done, Maddie. That was amazing. She was not a gentle woman, was she, JL? Turns out. Okay, good morning. Hello. Good to be here. All right, so bringing it home this morning with the unsung heroes. So I'm going to introduce you to a woman named Lois, who I had never heard of before or not really noticed. So she's in the book of 2 Timothy. And you've probably read this chapter several times, but I can almost guarantee you didn't notice Lois. Anyway, I'll come to her soon. Do you have something in your possession that has been passed down through your family, like through the generations? It could be a piece of jewellery, this diamond ring I'm wearing belonged to my grandmother, so it's very special. Uh, It could be, I don't know... um, even like a recipe, something that's really special in your family that's been passed down, um, like a tradition maybe, could be a family secret. I mean, not all things that are passed down are fun or pleasant or good. I have been told of some quite shocking things of my family in the past that I would rather have not known. Honestly, I'm, I'm talking like secret illegitimate children like that my mum has told me about. Like, wow, okay, I thought that my family was just normal and boring, but no, (laughs) goodness, no. Um, Or perhaps it's like a trait, you know, something that was in your parents or grandparents that is in you or maybe that you have passed down. Um, If you were here last week, I shared over communion about how my memory is not quite up to standard these days. My husband, John, however, has an excellent, excellent memory. And if you know him, you will know what I'm talking about. I'll be like, oh, remember that time we went to that place with the thing? It was like, I don't know, probably six years ago. And he'll be like, yeah, no, it was 10 years ago. It was on March the 12th. And um, you were wearing that blue dress. Yeah, and then we went this and we did that. And like an incredible memory for dates which is awesome for me because I don't remember things like that at all. So I can rely on John. But 
So we have three boys and just recently I've noticed this similar trait in our second born Jack. Jack also has quite a good memory. Just It's happened several times recently, you know, someone will bring up like a, an NRL game, you know, from last season, like ages ago, months or a year ago, and Jack would be like, oh yeah, no, that was the Bulldogs versus Tigers, yeah, no, that score was 28 to 12, yeah. Like, and I'm just like, oh my goodness, you are your father's son. <laughs> it's great. I love it. He did not get it from me. Anyway, so Lois. Lois passed down the best thing possible that she possibly could, and that was her faith. Read with me in 2 Timothy Chapter 1 and verse 5. So this is Paul's letter to Timothy. So he's writing to Timothy and he says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. So Lois was Timothy's grandmother. So she was a woman of faith. She loved God. She was committed to God. And that's how she lived her whole life. She raised her children in the faith and her grandchildren. So that's how Timothy came to be a believer, through his family. Because it says it started with his grandmother and she passed that down. She taught her children well. She's only mentioned this one time in the whole Bible. But because of the legacy that she started... And she built, we get this amazing character in the Bible, Timothy, who was Paul's protege. You know, he traveled around with Paul and he pastored the early churches. He did amazing things. He was this wonderful, godly man who touched, well, untold thousands, millions. We're still talking about Timothy today. But his faith started with his grandmother Lois. And it's really interesting that Paul actually credits Timothy's faith to his grandmother. He says, I'm reminded of your faith, which first lived in your grandmother. So, like, did Timothy have to make his own decision and his own commitment to God? Yes, of course, absolutely. He had to decide that, yes, he was going to take on the lessons from his grandmother and he was going to run with it. And he had to stay the course throughout his life, of course. But Paul can see, he knows that it began with Lois. She gave him that foundation. She gave him the solid teaching, the launch pad, basically, for Timothy's life and his ministry. And just reading through this and and thinking about you know, the the generational impact of one person's life on another is really inspiring and really encouraging. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't plan a whole lot for the future. I, I I don't know why. I'm just not really someone that does that. I mean, you know, especially at the start of the year and people are talking about New Year's resolutions and goals and, you know, five year plans. And I'm like, great, that's awawesome. I'm just trying to get through the week, really. Like, I, I can't think beyond what is right in front of me often. But 
This is something that gets even me excited about planning for the future. I mean, look what Lois did. I mean, when you think about it, what she accomplished was incredibly simple, yet utterly astounding at the same time. She didn't start a church. She didn't build a movement. She didn't run an organization that touched thousands of people. Yet, at the same time, she kind of did all those things. Simply by saying yes to God, by committing her life to him, and by raising her children and grandchildren and being an influence in their lives. She would not have known, could not possibly have known, what that would produce in the future. But I can be willing to bet she didn't care. She just wanted to raise her children and grandchildren in the faith. And then look what happened. So, how will God use your faith to bless someone else? To bless the next generation and the next and the next? We don't have to plan a whole lot. Lois was just like you and I. She was just a normal woman going about her life, looking after her family. But look what she produced. So if she can do it, then you and I can absolutely do it. And you don't have to be a parent or a grandparent to leave a legacy like this. Look at Paul. Like he addresses this letter to Timothy, my dear son. Like Timothy was Paul's son in the faith. They had this beautiful, significant relationship just because they were both called to the ministry and called by God and they loved each other. So as much as Timothy's legacy starts with his grandmother, it also has to be credited to Paul, of course, but they weren't related. So it doesn't matter what your family situation is or whether you even have children or grandchildren or whatever, you can still have a legacy and maybe you are lucky enough to continue on a legacy that has already been started in your family if you are then that is hugely significant and you are so blessed to be able to continue on that legacy but maybe you are just starting it out maybe you are the first one like Lois Paul said that the faith started with Lois So whose faith will be started with you? It's really encouraging and exciting to think about it. So how will God use you? We can all start a legacy. Praise the Lord. So let's get the band up, shall we, please? And let's pray. So we just remember all these incredible godly women of the Bible, of the past. But each of those women... Tabitha and JL, yes, even JL and Lois, they are just like you and I. We can all serve God with the gifts and the talents that we have. We can all step out and do something bold. We can all be committed to God and impact generations. So let's pray. Hallelujah, God. You are so good. Lord, we thank you that you see everything. You see the past, the present, and the future. 
and you are in control of all of it and your plans are good. And so we thank you, Lord, for what we have heard today. We thank you for the lessons and the inspiration and the encouragement from these godly women in the Bible. And God, we ask that we would take on some of that boldness, some of that commitment, some of that willingness, some of that generosity that they had. And God, use us, use our gifts, use our talents, use our heart, our commitment, Lord, and show us what you want us to do with that. So even now, just in your seat, just think about one of those women. You probably may be related to, to one more than the others, and that's good. So just think about what you've heard this morning and just let God open a new door today. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. In the name of Jesus, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.